Guy and Hawkeyes celebrate a long, proud history. In 1970, the university made a key hire, Bump Elliott as athletic director. Labeled as the coach's AD, he ushered in a golden age. But it was a new type of gold, a yellow gold. He brought in Dan Gable, Lute Olson, Hayden Fry, and Vivian Stringer, all Hall of Fame coaches. Coach Fry inherited a program that had struggled through 17 losing seasons and needed change. As part of his rebuild, he decided to rebrand his team, getting permission from the Super Bowl champion Steelers to emulate their uniforms. He worked with a local art director to create the Tiger Hawk logo and complete the makeover, saying, where I come from, it's called selling the sizzle before the steak. Coach Fry and his coaching peers lived up to the task presented by the AD, and Iowa has never looked back. Black and Yellow Gold aims to celebrate the great people, programs, community, and culture that define Hawkeye Nation. But I love that it's his dream, and you're just there to nurture it and support it. That, that's what it comes yeah. off as, and I think it's very true. Yeah, it is. You know, it's like can only go as, you know, anything real was imagined first. So he got to really imagine it first. And when he, when he attached himself to it, bonded, you know, etched himself into doing what it took uh, to get at this height of elite performance consistency, uh, you know, I knew then it was worth all that time, energy to uh, nourish that and, and, uh, and, and grow it. A prevalent theme in sports literature and film is the father and son bond. Iowa Writers Workshop graduate W.P. Kinsella wrote the book Shoeless Joe Jackson, which was later turned into the movie Field of Dreams. Ray Kinsella, the protagonist, hears a voice while working his Iowa farm, telling him, if you build it, he will come. In the end, he realizes it's his father that the voice is talking about, and before a game of cats, the father asks his son, is this heaven? The answer? No, it's Iowa. Thankfully, Luca Garza and his father Frank chose Iowa as their playing field, and brought us along in a big part of their journey. Certainly there'll be more to come. We've all just been witness to something really special. Hello, fellow Hawkeyes. This is Eric Hennigan, and I had the pleasure to get to know more about Frank a few days ago, just before Luca began receiving all of his well-deserved accolades, including the Naismith and AP Awards for Player of the Year. In a time where there are two schools of thought about parents' involvement with their kids' sports, this one is about being all in, and you can't argue with the results. Besides his on-court performance, Luca has been even more impressive off of it. Frank was a good basketball player in his own right at the University of Idaho, where he started building an extended family that have all played significant roles in Luca's success. As I learned more about him prior to our conversation and during, we have many things in common. One of those is a connection to Hawaii, where the concept of Ohana lives. In Hawaiian culture, the idea of the extended family is prominent. There's no better example than Luca's Ohana that includes Idaho, former Yugoslavia, and Hawaii. On occasion, I've heard a few people bristle when Frank uses the word we, but you'll soon learn that it has the right meaning in this context. He discusses the idea of me to we, and it reminded me of the end of one of my favorite films, the documentary When We Were Kings, about the Ali Foreman fight. The last person to have a say in the movie is acclaimed writer George Plimpton, talking about a Muhammad Ali poem. I heard him once uh, talking to the Harvard senior class commencement. Uh, he uh, gave this extraordinary speech. You know, he was dyslexic, and uh, he, he would look at a 
paper with me and he'd say, hey, George, what's this, what's this word mean? I'd say appendicitis. And he'd say, how do you get a word like appendicitis? so long, it's so long. Here he was teaching, uh, uh, delivering a lecture, senior class day to these 1,000, 2,000 Harvard graduates. And um, he had these little cards in front of him. He gave this wonderful speech about he hadn't had the opportunity, but they had, and they should use that language, that learning that they had to go out and do their best to change the world and make it a better place. And it was, it was moving and it was funny at the same time and a great roar of appreciation at the end of it. And then someone shouted out, give us a poem. And everybody quieted down. Now the shortest poem in the English language, according to Bartlett's quotations, is it's called On the Antiquity of Microbes. And the poem is Adam Hadam. It's pretty short. But Muhammad Ali's poem was Me Hui. Two words. I wrote Bartlett's quotations and I said, look here, that's shorter than Adam Hadam. <laughs> you want to put it in? And it stands for something more than the poem itself. Me, we, what a fighter he was, and what a man. Ohana and me to we indeed. With that, let's learn from Frank. Yeah, so Frank, welcome. Thank you very much for doing this. This is uh, awesome. Great story. And been a long time. Uh, well, first of all, I, I fell in love with the Hawkeyes and ended up wrestling there. Um, you're probably kind of a little bit aware of that. And we have a lot of weird things in common. So I'm sure if we give them the opportunity, <laughs> we don't have a lot of time here, but we have a lot of uh, cross paths that are interesting. Yes, it's uh, well, first, thanks for, for having me, Eric. And I'm, I'm uh, flattered that someone would want to listen about my my story. But uh, certainly as it relates to my son, it's it's worth worth. Um, worth hearing and talking about. And yes, I'm familiar with you from um, a friend of mine that I met uh, one of my first years here, Randy Lewis. And of course I met Mr. Gable and and all the rest of it. So you were part of uh, Hawkeye folklore, right? And stories, they sing song about you guys, right? <laughs> well, R- Randy Lewis is definitely a character and that's a great story. Uh, he's told me his version. Let's hear your, your version of this. Oh no, well listen, Perhaps you should share with me his version, and I'll fill in where the okay. holes are. What do you think? How about that? How All about right. that? Let's hear what Randy has to say, because I have never heard his. Well, I have from other people, but he hasn't done it from me. So this will be like a learning experience for me, <laughs> So flatter me, would you? Or just, yeah, yeah, just humor me. Well, he, is, he is a character, so it totally makes sense. But Of course. But uh, Randy uh, claims to be sitting at, at a bar one night, and here's this guy talking. He, he has no idea who you are, by the way. Right. And, yeah. and, uh, you're, and I don't have any idea who he is. Exactly. Right? So we both don't know. Yeah. That, that's the best part of the story. <laughs> and, and for those people out there who don't know who Randy Lewis is, he was a 1980 Olympic uh, team member and 1984 Olympic gold medalist. And uh, obviously in 1980, we boycotted because of the trouble with Russia. Jimmy Carter boycotted. And in 84, the Russians boycotted the LA Olympics. So anyway, uh, Randy, who became a, not only was my hero, I actually went to the 84 Olympics when I was in high school and got to go there by myself. It's a whole other story wow. I've told before. Wow. But, um, and, and that's when I was around all these guys because I was going to Iowa wrestling camps. So he ends up, um, he's sitting at the bar and you're telling a story about the decathlon. And I, and I have this in my notes here, but I'm not going to go look for him right now. But Dan, what was his name? Dan O'Brien, who yep. was in my, we went to the same school together in Moscow, Idaho. Idaho. Yes. 
at the University of, of Idaho, which that's a whole different story when we played Iowa. Do put that as a footnote. Come back about okay, that so, story. Did, so you're did telling Idaho the story about Dan. Yeah, and, yep. and him trying to make the Olympic team. And I think he scratches in the high jump. Is that correct? No, on the pole boat. Pole he goes vault. for the world record on the pole boat, Eric. So he goes up and he misses. So now he has to scratch. And he can't compete again for the Olympics for another four years. It was just devastating. But you know what he did? He stayed there afterwards and clapped. Cheered everyone on. Just what a true champion. But I'm sharing this story to these folks sitting at the barn. They're all coming <laughs> up around. I said, could you imagine having to wait another four years? Couldn't have sugar. And you get a tap on the shoulder. Yeah, no, I hear no, 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 Randy don't tap, you know. <laughs> I, 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 all you hear is this, well, well, I do. And I look, first I look around because I don't see anybody, but then I look down and then I see this, this, this little <laughs> mighty mouse, big dude with just this uh, uh, voice. And he says, well, I do. I said, well, tell me more about it. And then he told me 1980, Carter, as you mentioned, the boycott and what that was like. And then it was over from there. We, we've been massive uh, friends and, and I love wrestling. As a side thing, I love wrestling. Uh, it's just like mono de mono. There's no place to hide. Love it. And uh, so anyway, that's the, I didn't mean to take over, Eric, but that's the story. So we, we laughed and and uh, we've been, been friends. Uh, it's a great story. Since. I love it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. So, okay. You guys, you guys have the same story. So there it is. Well, good. When that tells you that's the truth, right? It's yeah. Good. If you want to get them a few different places, it's good. So. Yeah, no, he didn't fly and jump up and down. No, tear <laughs> up the bar. No, that's all conjecture. But yeah, that that actually the place you guys were asked was, it, it, that you were at was uh, Bruce Kinseth. Um, that's his hotel. He's a wrestler as well. One of Gable's first. Yep. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay, super. One yeah, of his first super. national champs. That? Yep. Wow, that's incredible. So anyway, so. Jim Harms is your father, and he is obviously Luca's grandfather and a basketball right. player himself by his own right. Correct. Played at the University of Hawaii. Right. And he played at the University of Hawaii. Yeah, go ahead. And he also assistant coached after that, right? So he he was at, at uh, both a player and assistant coach right after. Right, and he was also the assistant coach at Idaho uh, when I played because my head coach, when he – I played at Santa Rosa Junior College, and um, – uh, my coach, Bill Trumbull at the time, uh, very successful, I mean, vastly successful, has over uh, 550 NCAA wins, which is you get a plaque, you know, when you go to the coach's uh, dinner sure. the night before the Final Four. It's also where they used to give out the Naismith. In fact, Luca was here in 2015 with Bill Trumbull, the coach I'm referring to. Uh, he passed away very recently, but anyway, three years ago, but anyway, we were here for it and it's kind of crazy that we're back again years later in the same place. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So at Santa Rosa, Bill Trumbo, uh, got the job at Idaho. I was going to Harvard. I, I would, uh, was an all American as a collegiate player there at, at uh, Santa Rosa and uh, was very successful, and I wanted to get a degree that I could then make a living with, and then build. Let's back up for one second. Did you just say you were yeah. going to go to Harvard? Yeah, I was going to go to Harvard out of out of, out of Santa Rosa uh, Junior College. I got accepted, and I was a. You know, I've been a musician. I, I was a Rhodes Scholar for the state of Idaho. Uh, wow! So, so I had multiple. To be a Rhodes Scholar, you have to be more than just a bookwormer. You have to have music, sports, poetry, math. So I, it's kind of. Cecil Rhodes had in mind that scholarship, that that kind of you, you, you and Chris Christopherson. 
Well, yeah. And how about Bill Bradley and, yeah. and a whole bunch of, uh, Bill Clinton, uh, of course, you know, our president, Bill Clinton. Yep. And so I didn't actually get accepted to Oxford or doing that, but I was in, I made a finalist and was in the final seven states because the Cecil Rhodes money ran out, right? Not ran out, but just the different stock market stuff. So we had to combine states uh, in order to still allow, you know, pay enough to go have kids go to, go to Oxford and stuff. So anyway, it was a very steep competition. So anyway, where were we there? Because I kind of cut that off. So I don't know where was I then. Yeah, no, so I'm, I interrupted you. I'm sorry, because you, you said junior college too. So you were a junior college guy and then ended up at Idaho to play basketball. Yeah, so let's go back on that. So yeah, Bill Trumbull, when Don Monson in Idaho, his team beat Iowa in Lou Olson's second to last year. Oh, wow. In overtime, in overtime. Don Monson, who was the coach of that Idaho team, got the job at Oregon. He left. In, in, Mar- in, Mar- in the NCAA tournament? When, when did they beat Iowa? Yeah, they made it. Yeah, Idaho eliminated Iowa, and we made it in the Sweet 16. Wow. Lou second to last year. That happened, and so Don Monson, the coach at Idaho at the time, then got the job at Oregon. And then that left the vacancy in Idaho. And then my coach, Bill Trouble, got the job at Idaho. And, and Bill brought me in and said, you're not going to Harvard. You're going to Moscow, Idaho. I said, what? <laughs> and, and and funny story is I got a letter in high school because I went to school at Anacortes, Washington, uh, which is in the north of Seattle, about 50 miles. And so I, I lived on an island, Fidalgan Island. There's tons of Yugoslavian fishermen there. That's where I met most of my Yugoslavian buddies as a kid. Ended up marrying one, <laughs> you know, oddly enough. Yeah, well, 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 let me come back to it. Let me finish this and we come back. So anyway, I uh, played basketball. It was a very rich basketball tradition, great music program. And so I had received a letter from the University of Idaho uh, wanting to me to fill out something for recruitment. And, of course, I was going to, to play in San Jose Junior College, so I didn't, I didn't fill it out. But how funny. I ended up coming back, playing there for two years, meeting Dan O'Brien, the world's greatest athlete, gold medalist, you know, and a whole bunch of other great people. Ken Hobart, the great football player, and uh, of course all the coaches and and, uh, and the people there. Good experience there. Obviously, you feel you speak fondly about it. Well, I didn't like the losing. I was the only I was the only senior on the team. I went from uh, basically an eighty percent win rate to only winning seven league games my senior year. So it was a terrible, not terrible. I was successful and everything, but I was. Uh, the number one star, but I, I shouldn't have been. I should have been second or third. I should have been the only option. And when you have freshmen coming in, I mean, we we played Spokane when John Stockton was there, right? So we were playing against wow. players and some teams. Uh, Montana, right? When Kristoviak was a coach at Utah uh, State and uh, played in the pros many years. I was playing against some guys that are heroes. Detlef Shrimp, the University of Washington. Yeah. Chris Velt, these big, big, great players. So anyway, it was a great experience. And but I don't like losing. I don't care if I score 30 points. I, I don't like losing. So it wasn't fun from that standpoint, because uh, it was a rebuilding of a program because Monson finished his seniors and rode out to Oregon. And then he ended up getting fired because you gotta have players to win and it's hard to recruit. So it was hard for Trump to recruit at Idaho too. But anyway. It was um, not, I had so much joy in high school and through junior college that well, how many times he won. I guess I needed to average it out with some some losses in college. But uh, Yeah, but there's still a big jump between the division you went to to Division One Idaho. That's a big deal. Yeah, no doubt, although California JUCO is up there. 
you know, that's one of your best uh, uh, launching of a lot of athletes. And that's what your dad still does at Maritime, or is he? He's not still there, is he? No, no, he's not doing that anymore. No, okay. There was a coaching change, and he just was done with uh, doing that for so long. But now he, he always retired now and taking it easy. But he's always been involved in basketball coaching, AD work his whole life. It's kind of his mistress, so to speak. Yeah, and now once you have a love for something, the passion, like why would you abandon it? It's kind of what keeps you alive. Plus you get better at it the more you do it, right? Yeah. Okay. So, so, uh, and, and he, he, that's really weird. I, I just found this out the other day. I, this is totally an aside and I don't know why I'm telling it because this is about talking to you, but I have some cousins, 12 of them that I'm not very close with. It's a, my mom's half sister. And it okay. turns out that one of her, um, daughter-in-law's, played at Arizona state and her brother played at Hawaii just before, just uh-huh. after your dad. And then obviously <laughs> played for your dad. Your dad coached him. Oh, no way. That's yeah. Fun. That's fun. Yeah. That's fun. That's fun to hear that. It's bizarre. It's, and then, and then we have this connection you and I do to now here we're getting into this. I want to get back to Yugoslavia. So I have a lot of Serbian basketball friends. And again, I, I never know like what the minefield is just given the history there and the wars and all that kind of stuff. But everybody speaks very highly of your uh, brother-in-law. So you, I, I heard you talk on another podcast recently, if you don't mind repeating it, how you met your wife, which is a great story. Oh yeah. No, it's a long story. It's like, Oh my God, you know? So um, way before bringing a Yugoslav, you know, former Yugoslav now, as I guess the proper way to say it, to America, my dad and I brought the first one, which is Tailman Ali Begovic. Um, my coach, getting back to Bill Trumbo, was the most well thought of uh, basketball coach and an authority of defense. So what happened was uh, Yugoslavia had a junior national team that beat America, right? This yep. is when it had Tony Kukoc. It was well, one he, he also played with Vladi Divac. Yeah, well, they were on yeah. the junior national team. And the coach, Pesic, who I know personally, Who's the head? Of, uh, who's the head coach? Said we need to teach these guys defense. So they went to America and said, "Who's your number one coach on defense?" Bill, uh, even Smith at, at uh, North Carolina said, "Dean Smith said go to get Bill Trumbull." So they got Bill Trumbull to go over there for ninety days. He taught Tony Cucho, Raja, all of them because they the junior national team beat USA. They would have beat them yeah. in the Olympics, right? If they could have been one country. So anyway, Tailman was on that team and. They loved the experience so much with Bill. They said, okay, we're coming over next year and we're going to do a tour. So Bill couldn't arrange it, but my dad could do it. So he took it over, arranged like, you know, 12 games and in, in, uh, 12 nights and, you know, eight different cities. Right? It was crazy schedule. So Tailman got friendly with my dad. He's the only guy who could speak English over the whole team. And he said, I'm going to come to America. So we arranged all this stuff. My dad knew um, the assistant coach at Oregon State. And remember, Ralph Miller coached there, and he formally coached at Iowa. Ralph Miller did, right? So, uh, well, he comes over. My dad arranges Tailman to come over to play at Oregon State, where Ralph Miller's the coach. And so we, we arranged that. And so that's how Tailman uh, and really paved the way for Yugoslavs to come because he came in. Gary Payton was playing at the time, right? All, all NBA, right. everything. And the cis leader and all that stuff. Still the glove. Me. Yeah, the glove. Right? So anyway, that's how I met Tao. So Tao and I knew each other first. And then over the years, Tao would tell, would tell 
my wife, whose name is Shayla, you know, you know, wasn't a wife at the time. You got to meet this guy. He's got this. He's all set <laughs> up. He's this and that. And it just never worked. And then Tao's brother and I set up, a, and my dad set up an exchange program. Yugoslavs came over to Marin County, worked out. We came over to Yugoslavia. So it worked out great. So when we were passing in the air, my wife and I, she even stayed at one of my houses and, and didn't even, you know, we still hadn't met. So the craziness of it all, we never met in that seven-year period. And then all of a sudden, again, Bill Trumbull, uh, who then moved from Idaho to Hawaii when he lost his job at Idaho. He's the AD over there on Hilo, at Hilo, Bill Trouble, AD. So anyway, his, his basketball coach has a heart attack, and there's a camp, and he can't pull it off, so he calls me up. Frank Gars, he was to call me Gars. <laughs> I need you to come over. Can you get Tail to bring our to be the guest pro? So I arranged all that. And Tail invites his wife, whose fraternal twin is my wife. So Layla's And again, wife. not to interrupt, and, but just because I've done a little yeah. history here, both yeah. both of them, both sisters played professional basketball in Europe. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, you're talking $10 a week, right? I get I mean, it, you know, yeah. And, and Layla was the real player. She was actually trying to come to Oregon State. I'm not trying to kiss it down. My, my wife could score on me one time, <laughs> right? So she, she was able one time now. So anyway, but, uh, but my point is, uh, Teo invites his wife and his wife invites uh, my wife uh, and their fraternal twins 25 minutes apart. So anyway, comes out she can't get a visa because of the war. Teo's wife, Layla, but Shayla can. So boom, she comes to Hawaii and that's where we meet of all crazy places. And I still, to this day, it was arranged by Teo. I always give him credit. He <laughs> figured it out. He was like, okay, baby, I'm going to, time for you to get married. Here's your husband, you know. And I think there was some kind of uh, conspiracy going on there, but I'm I'm thankful for that. I tell you that. <laughs> and the, the the selling point was definitely the eyebrows, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, my eyebrows. You know that uh, now Lucas like you know I don't know why they pick on me about it. I'm almost feeling. I'm like, not picking on it. I think it's awesome. I think about doing an auction, Eric. Hey, how much to shave off one eyebrow? And you guys get to keep the thing. I maybe we get some no, money for don't, it. Don't don't touch those. <laughs> My, my my dad had crazy eyebrows, and there was a, a hotel manager in Hawaii. You know Mauna Kea Beach Hotel? Of course. I love that. Yeah, yeah it's great. But the general manager there, we were members there, and his, his name was Adi Kohler, German guy. And uh-huh. one day, just not even thinking about it, he reached across to my dad and started brushing his eyebrows, trying to straighten it. <laughs> that's a funny story yeah, I heard your dad react hopefully he was okay like, yeah my dad was okay. like okay this is happening <laughs> yeah my dad was a character too so that'll work that's out so fun. that's so fun that's so fun so let me ask you this I don't mean you know it's just like your interaction with the Yugoslavs and um, how did you find it aren't they a beautiful people oh I, like, I, don't go, I don't go Serbian I don't go Croat I go Yugoslav they were one people someday that were turned to that, but aren't they beautiful people? They, it's the best. And I've been, I, I've not been to Bosnia yet. And so like, oh, again, you're going to love that. Yeah. I, I can't wait. Yeah. It's bad there right now with the COVID. Yeah. I was actually, I, I was actually doing a little research and talked to a friend of mine today, Dragon Tarlac. He played with uh, Vladi. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dragon. Yeah. yeah. yeah I'm familiar with that. Yeah, he, he went on and on about Teo. He's telling me the whole story, his whole background. Oh, he's so, yeah. And what did he say? I just am curious. Yeah, so I, I have a lot of stories here for you. And I meant to get a recording today. And unfortunately, we couldn't work it out. Paige is in Hawaii right now. And I, he was telling me, going on and on about Luca today and his game. And, um, but Dragon was telling me about Teo and just said, 
it sounded to me when he's describing it like Luca, the way he played. And no, no, no? I, I know, I know Tails game. He it wasn't the same. It was Tail was a different kind of a player. Uh, Tail was a killer. All right, he would go out and just emasculate you. Power forward, right? That's what he told me. Oh, he yeah. was a power forward. Power forward. I'm talking about. I've met the world's greatest athlete. I've seen him. Um, how should we say in the showers? <laughs> Don't make make that. No, so I get it. But here's the deal. Here's a body that is like if God just said, "Okay, I'm going to make a perfect body. It's going to be sculpted. The symmetry, the angular." A rotation is going to be such that he'd be powerful in anything he wants to do. Well, that's Dan O'Brien. And then the guy that's a foot taller, that's the equivalent of that, is Tailman Alabama. His body was like a Greek god. He was so freaking strong. He ran a 4-240, Eric. Wow. Yeah, Americans don't understand. They don't understand these guys. There's some oh, freaking athletes was, over he, there. He would kill you with just just taking his hands and take your throat. He could crack my neck in a second. So, Luca, his game. See, Taylor's fast. Luca, we're not fast. We, you know, unfortunately, he's got my. He's got his uh, move pitches. Um, uh, um, you know, his grandfather on my wife's side. He's got his ankles. I mean, his his calves, which are gigantic, and his legs, which are NBA powerful, strong, bashing legs. Thank God. But his foot speed, unfortunately, comes to me, which is, you know, the seasons move faster than us on the court. You know, well, getting back to that, that that's something that I'll tell you in a second. Peja mentioned and he loves Luca's game because I he and Vladi Divac were the general manager and assistant manager of the Kings. And they yes. came to visit me here last year before COVID all started. And oh, I was that. going on and on about your son and they hadn't paid much attention and they had their scout with them. And so they flew him out to Iowa city to come take a look and Paige oh, has gone on and on, but he, he talks about this foot speed, all the, all this criticism. It's funny if, if, you know, when you, I don't know how much you get to watch the broadcast cause usually at the games, but uh, all these guys are always talking to, you know, people are downplaying his foot speed and this and that. And like, I, as, as Paige has said, I don't give a crap about that. It's the upside and the way this guy plays. He's old school. He plays. He plays the play. You know, it's hard. Well, it's interesting you say that because he's the slowest guy out there, but he's the first one down the court. Yep. How always. can you do that? Well, there's a difference between how fast you can run and when the ball goes up and there's referees. And there's also and A I to B, point A to B, which he does. Right. <laughs> right. And then you have to look at the metrics. You know, what happens? What's his efficiency ratio? And then this year where he came back, broke his own scoring record, set records that have never been done in the Big Ten ever in, 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 in the NCAA. And he did getting more attention than any other player in America. I'm talking double, triple teams. And Luca had no sub, so he was playing 35-plus minutes a game. And you're talking the Big Ten schedule, and he didn't miss a game, Eric. Oh, I'm aware. Trust me. I've been watching. And then the, the numbers speak for themselves. I mean, one of my favorite quotes you have is talking about Kaminsky. My, my uh, Duye Dukan, you know who that is? Yes. His yes. father's Croatian, and uh, he's the Bulls. Uh, you know, he's their head scout and a manager right. there. But uh, I actually just go to a lot of his games with the family and stuff. And Duye uh, was friends with – actually, he was roommates with Bohannon's brother. Oh, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, one of my favorite quotes you had about – you said, I, I kind of like what Frank Kaminsky did at Wisconsin – um, we don't need to go measure how slow we are. We already know how slow we are and can't jump. I don't need to go to a camp and prove it. 
Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Thank you for that. That's something some people got offended by. But I said, hey, we already know what that is. Now, what does that have to do with being two-time Big Ten Player of the Year when everyone else was better? That was Paige's point. I don't need to like. I, I don't need to tell this. I just know the upside, and I can see the guy's heart, and I see the way he works. Yeah. 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 It's proven no, itself. That's, game knows game, and particularly Yugoslavs know that because it's all about heart and. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's all about family, as you know. I mean, it's uh, the reason why they played so well together. Look at soccer. How many Yugoslav, all the different countries have been broken up to five different countries, and they're all in the World Cup. Why? They've been playing soccer together since they were, grew up. They're, they're into, you know, socialism is part of that. benefit of that is people live for each other, you know? Yep. And, and, and basketball so, now is becoming, I mean, I, I don't know about the rest of it, but I'm, I think all of Yugoslavia, I mean, I've spent most of my time in Serbia, but... I've been to Belgrade quite a few times, Belgrade, for... Sure. It's weird that we rename cities. That, that's not the way they pronounce it, but we have the Americanized version. But, yeah. I mean, just think of all those guys coming out of there. To your point, Tony Kukoc, and who I'm friends with as well, and Divac, and Stojakovic, and Vladimir Rodmanovic is a really good friend of mine. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, great shooters, yeah, too. Some, yeah, great uh, legends, and, um, and uh, even better people, you know. And uh, great fathers, you know. There's some... You know, uh, anyway, it's his family's first, you know, and uh, it's um, that's why that war was so, so awful uh, that, that occurred in, in, in civilized Europe. You know? It's amazing Americans don't know more about it. And to be honest with you, I mean, I'm, I'm acting like I'm a big know-it-all, but I only know because I've been there and friends with these guys right. and, and taken some trips. And, you know, Peja grew up in Croatia and had to flee and when that was all going on. Actually, most of my Serbian friends, most of their families' backgrounds were in Croatia, which makes sense. It's a beautiful area to live, but right. uh, yeah, yeah. And, and and yeah, I, I've I've done a little, you know, enough research to be dangerous with all this stuff to know about it, and we won't get into that too much. <laughs> but but I like the way you talk about it as Yugoslavia in terms of the people, and and it seems like it's kind of getting back to a little bit of that. It's obviously they're all different countries, but and even even your uh, brother-in-law. Uh, you know, when I saw Slovenian, I was a little confused by that. And my buddy today explained that to me that he, he was playing on teams there, but he's actually much more Bosnian than anything, but ended up on those teams that oh, yes, on the national yeah. team. Yeah. 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 You know, uh, uh, he's, um, that's exactly right. There was messed that up a little bit, but he, you know, but I know he played for the national team. He, you know, he did, wasn't on them and, um, whatnot, but, um, and your wife works for the embassy, the Bosnian embassy, right? Well, she did for some years, about eight years, and now because what they usually do rotates you every three years in the embassy work, and she finally ran out of her extensions, and so she we had to be uh, have to go back to Sarajevo and, and and live there another three years, and then get shipped out again. We just weren't going to do that. With Got it. In high school, you know. So, and and your son, your son has a dual passport. You mentioned. Yep, he's. Uh, we're getting that all ready for a potential. You know, playing for the the Bosnian national team. We're not sure we're going to do it. We're going to see how it works out with the. I didn't want to bring it up, but yeah, Paige actually yeah. mentioned that to me. He thought that he was playing yeah, on the yeah. national team. So well, they won him. But listen, last time I was there, there was just you know, still there's no money, and it's like there wasn't insurance for the players. There wasn't this, and so we can't be in that environment. But maybe things have changed, and uh, we're certainly going to do it if we can do it because we we um, we would do it just for his uh, grandmother, Grand Baca. Uh, just to have her be able to watch him in that gym uh, would be something. But if it works out, we'll do it. If not, then, you know, everyone will know why. You know, it's, it's just kind of you know, straightforward. Well, I, I mentioned uh, um, 
a, a while you and I were texting, but uh, Dragon Tarlach that I mentioned earlier, his son is also a Luca. And since he was born, I've been giving him Iowa stuff and trying to get him to go there. <laughs> That's fun. That's so fun. he's still he's still available. I know Stanford's already offered him. So, oh yeah, I saw the picture. I remember that. Everything yeah, it was really sweet. And you know, as you can see in his eyes, you know, his you know his his kid's special. Well, the the other kid standing next to me with him is Duye Dukan. That's the uh, the that's at the Bulls training center. And, yeah, and that's, that's the, yeah yeah. He played at Wisconsin yeah. at the time they were in the right. finals. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. Was that the roommate of of uh, yeah, of Bohannon? Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. So yeah, let, let's let's move forward. Well, actually, one last thing because I got to get this Hawaii connection too. So your dad coached there, and I don't know how this, this is all so freakish that we have this Yugoslavia stuff, and then you know I knew you're training in Hawaii, and I just assumed Honolulu. I don't know why, because your dad was at University of Hawaii, so that's what I just falsely assumed. But you're on the Kona side, which is where I grew up. Yeah, how fun is that? So um, did you go to... Um, Hawaii Preparatory Academy. Okay, yeah. So Kona Waina was where uh, uh, Bill ended up in his last job as a high school AD. So wow. Kona Waina there. And then... Arrival. Place out on Volcano. Yeah, Arrival. Uh, a good football program. Talk about a great facility. We, you know, you look out, you're running on the track. Look as holding bricks in his hands, looking out of this beautiful, gorgeous. I've watched those videos and never put that together. I'm an idiot. Yeah, no, that's Kodawana right there, baby. You know, that's the end of the end zone there where he's holding the bricks, doing that, doing the Bobby Knight lane. I know the drill. I've seen you doing it. I just didn't put it together. Huh? (laughs) The only time I put it together was I had a picture on one of the newspaper articles with your dad and his cousin, who, by the way, also plays for a friend of mine, Sasha, in Italy. Yes, yes. Exactly. Uh, his name. His name is is Omar. Omar. And, okay. Um, got it. Yeah. And he. I brought him over for that one year just to help get Luca ready because I couldn't. There was a point in time as a father developing his son, which I know is rare. I know parents are going, "How can you coach him?" I mean, my dad. My son doesn't even speak to me. You know, and he's seventeen. You know, and Luca. We're spending day in day out doing stuff, but so it's very special from that standpoint. But. There comes a time, Eric, where you can't guard your son anymore. Where it's not going to be, <laughs> it's not going to be productive for his development. So I had to bring over six ten, Omar, who was playing for first. Steve Lavin brought him. Had um, saw him over in Soviet Union when he was playing in a in a um, in a tournament, and then so he brought him to St. John's, and then Chris Mullen took over and, and kept sure. him. He wanted him. Yeah. So I brought him over to just muscle up Luca and give him some taste of what. A Big Ten is going to look like, and that was really great. And I bought my grandpa, grandpa Jimmy over, but prior to that, the previous three summers, it was just Luke and I going over working with Bill Trumbull because it wasn't the time, and and uh, wasn't the time right time. Development is an interesting thing, it's, you know. Being a you know like a sculptor, you, you got to plug in the things when the when the time is right, and you'll know when the time is right if you if if you look for it. Well, having said that, this is an interesting point that um, I find your guys' relationship fascinating just in terms. I have so many friends who are athletes. Obviously, I've been an athlete myself. So, for example, the Brands Brothers, I know you're familiar with them. Terry's, right. Oh, God. Well, yeah. Yeah. So, so Terry's son, Nelson, is on the team now. He didn't allow him to compete until he was in seventh grade. I don't know if you know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. And so it's interesting, like people who've actually played sports, I kind of feel, but then there are also some pushy. Well, that's not true. So this Tiger Woods documentary I just watched, and you guys couldn't be more opposite in terms of fathers and your relationships with your gosh. sons. Isn't that crazy? Isn't yeah. That I mean, crazy? Earl really pushed, you know? 
Oh man, and and almost for some of the stuff that that was disclosed, there it seemed you know, uh, like what did the cousin say? Oh yeah, oh Earl was a BSer, or what he I don't know what he said, but he made one comment in there. I went, what? That's not family talking about his dad. But listen, what he did do, um, and yeah, how you do it, I think counts too. But he did get Tiger to dream something, you know, and and then he used that in a way that you know maybe had some trauma related to it. Who knows with all that? But on that path, there are, does come times where you must challenge your son to a either pursue what he wants to do or to give up on it. And it must be their decision. If you pull that's them, the key part. You just said it. Yeah, it's their decision. Yeah. And I can totally tell. I mean, I, I've you know, everybody talks about your box of videotapes, which are all the tapes I used to watch because I got into <laughs> the NBA. But and I'm not I'm a wrestler. I don't know why I love the NBA so much, but. I did, and uh, it, it's interesting because it's very clear that you guys have a very it's tremendous relationship from, and I only know, know that because of your son and what he says and how he talks yeah, about you. Thank you. Yeah, no, yeah. don't thank me, thank him. He like he clearly, <laughs> it, it's a friendship. It's a first and foremost father friendship, and then a coach right. as well, and it's pretty special. Right. Well, I'm sure happy. You know, I knew when they were born, my kids, uh, Luca and Tessa, that my job was to you give up the me for the we and was to just uh, do what I could share what I could teach what I could. And I could just so blessed. I could do it on the basketball court. So many life lessons you can teach through the, through the, through the, through the adventure of sport, the pressures, getting a team set of goal, goal setting, you know, discipline, investment in yourself. It's a great metaphor for life. It really is. You know, I always say this, that, uh, uh, sports is life in the miniature. Yeah, you know, beginning and end. There's a season starts and you know, and so there's so many things you can do, and there's a measuring stick, and it's either yes or no, right? Where you know, so so many things similar to life. So I'm so happy about that, uh, being able to have that, and then from a father standpoint, just to see your kid, because I was there. We we were there when no one knew who he was, Eric. Or, and no one cared, and they really shouldn't because he's there's nobody. But all we had was our dream about what he could be, and uh, I would, would never give up on it. We we helped just uh, nurture it. But I love that it's his dream, and you're just there to nurture it and support it. That, that's what it comes yeah. off as, and I think it's that's very true. It, yeah, it is. You know, it's like can only go as you know anything real was imagined first. So he's got to really imagine it first, and when he when he attached himself to it, bonded, you know, etched himself into doing what it took uh, to get at this height of elite performance consistency. Uh, you know, I knew then it was worth all that time, energy to uh, nourish that and, and, uh, and, and grow it. And I don't know if you're like this, but he clearly has a huge heart. Just the uh, feelings, the emotions he feels, and he feels them deeply. And he, <laughs> he wears his yeah. heart on his sleeve, for sure. Yeah. You can't hide on the court Yeah, who you are. You, gonna, you can fake people. You can say stuff. But when the ball goes up, your heart is on the line. And what does it reflect? And, and uh, there's just no hiding. And I think everyone was able to see that. Plus, Eric, what he endured is the start of the sophomore season with the surgery and nine-hour surgery, you know, 11-pound cyst coming out of his stomach. That's insane. When I see the pictures of it, like, how did that not get diagnosed earlier? Yeah, it's probably uh, not a topic we should talk about. But (laughs) in all fairness, it was, you know, because his mother knew something was wrong from day one because she 
we lived with her for nine months inside, so she knew something was wrong. Of course, we thought something was wrong, but everyone thought it wasn't, and then finally, um, it could not be denied. And then, the, focusing on the solution part of it, I had um, checked with the Mayo Clinic, I checked with everyone, they kept on saying, hey, the best surgeon is in this little town, this little state, you probably don't know it, it's called Iowa City. <laughs> oh wow that makes sense yeah. Yeah. so anyway so it was like terrible that it happened all the ways around and not putting blame on anyone and then it was a miracle that the surgeon that performed a miracle solution uh was in fact and his name's dr howe just wonderful man was in fact a, a chief. That, that's what i love about i was saying getting to know these doctors by name i still remember all of them yes yeah. <laughs> there's this they do miracles every hour. Sure do. And in, in, in places like that. And, the, you know, you just couldn't write enough press. You couldn't do enough social media. People would get, like, numb to the fact that you're, you know, I expect miracles every day. You know, these guys are out there doing it. And and, uh, uh, and uh, while I didn't want to meet them this way, uh, you know, the surgery and the unknown, whether you play basketball again, whether when you remove the cyst, there would be some tumor. You didn't know until we got in there. So very traumatic for all of us and uh so the fact that he came back and cleansed it as a junior and did this and then because remember as a freshman he didn't get an honorable mention and his podium production was higher than joe wieskamp's when he was a freshman but because we were on a losing team he didn't even get honorable mention and he barely got honorable mentions as a sophomore so i thought he got sniffed every year for the kind of quality production points he had it was better than everyone else but they got second, you know, team. They got our mention. So the fact that he came back and owned it as a junior seer was just our way of saying you should have known then. <laughs> yeah, and and, <laughs> and, and and not to cover ground that's been covered, and it has. But now, kind of jumping forward, so I'm not going to ask you about the whole recruiting or any of that kind of stuff. But uh, obviously, Fran was a huge component to that. It sounds like he came in early, and then. How, how have these few years been? I mean, in, in terms of teammates and everything, and everything I see publicly, it was a great experience and you guys loved it. And uh, he was certainly seems like the, the right coach at the right time for this. It just all seems to fit like a glove. Yeah. You know, those things you can't um, um, make up. I mean, you can't like, even if you wanted to, to control this kind of outcome, you could. So it just had to be the result of just, what it le- left you to resolve, he keeps telling us, you know, you, the harder you work, the luckier you get. And so that's been basically, a, a, you know, a sonification of, of what we did. So finding a coach that could understand Luca's game, which it wasn't quick, fast. It was just going to beat you down and we're not right. going to miss a shot. We're going to do this. And so find a coach that could do that and then have a coach that recognized that I was going to be developing my kid. Yeah, that that's uh, that's interesting to me as well. Like that that seems like a really simpatico relationship, which I don't think would happen <laughs> in few, few, a lot of places. Yeah, the Eagles are too big, you know, but you can't you can't deny the results, right? And, exactly. Um, you know, even it's funny, you know, even with this year where I you're talking about you were bring some meditation to the team and work on the inner skills besides the outer skills, it was a fun conversation with him about it because he was very open to it and he couldn't deny it the results of it. So we opened it up for, you know, folks to want to participate if they wanted to, but because Luca was do, doing it, he wanted to share it. But for Fran to accept a, a parent, a family with Luca that was involved, that knew basketball, knew 
I know a lot about basketball. What Trouble taught me, what my high school coach taught me. There's now paths are they're up in heaven, but I know stuff people don't know as clearly evidenced by my son being able to do what he did. So Absolutely. I do have a, a particular knowledge that if other people had it, we would have seen it already in the development of big men. And so I have. It's, I mean, it's the, the results show them to your point. It, the results are out on the court and, and just as a person, as a human, as a player, everything. I mean, you can't argue with the results. Yeah. And so it's like, um, you know, uh, what was I saying about that? It was, I'm sorry. You're, you're, you're talking about your friend. We're talking about friend. Yeah. yeah we're talking about friend. What, what a, what a, uh, uh, you know, cause we trust each other. He's always told me, he told me the, the truth. I've always told him the truth and that's great. And he's never lied to my son. And so he helped bring him into manhood and allow us the opportunity to soar. I mean, we worked harder than anyone else in, um, in um, college basketball, three, three workouts a day, intense workouts and inner skill work. And so that he could, because imagine the noise, you have a year to prepare for Luca, all the noise, all the expectations for Luca. Every time you turn on college basketball, it's faces. And even if, I mean, if you're a teammate, you'd get sick of seeing him on TV. Right. And he had to handle all that pressure, double teams, triple teams, fresh legs, smashing them out where he couldn't rest. But in between TV timeouts, just to to, um, you know, play for his state and play for his university and play for his coach. And uh, so anyway, it's just I'm so happy that I was able to see every every one of those games and to see him um, uh, get the reward for all that work. Eric. I love that you just called it his state. It's so weird that I have that same kind of thing with my friends. They're like, you're not from Iowa, but we are. Yeah. <laughs> I don't explain it. I get fun. it. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, getting to meditation, that's an interesting part of it, an aspect that doesn't get a lot of uh, conversation, but I've heard you talk about it a little bit. Um, I, I became a big fan. I actually spent some time in AA for a little bit. And, that's super. Uh, yeah, yeah. At the time, I learned a lot from it and it reset my mind. Oh, but, yeah. But one of the first meetings I went to, I was intrigued by this AA meeting. It was meditation. And so I didn't think anything of it. I thought I was going to like go learn about it at an AA. Yeah. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. And I walk in and, you know, the lights are half dim. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> and, you know, my mind's constantly going in case you can't tell by right. talking to me. I'm like, oh, no, this is not going to go well. So, you know, we're going to sit here for the next 40 minutes and meditate and then have a meeting. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't sit here for 40 minutes in this room. And I went to really interesting places, and that was my foray into it. Now I'm all about it. Yeah. No, it's like you can't mess up meditation. You already did it for nine months inside the womb. So you already know how to do it. It's about reclaiming your superpowers. And it starts with pranayama, the science of breath. And this is the oldest written uh, Sanskrit, one of the oldest written languages, it, it speaks about meditation and going within to to uh, to monitor the outside because you're only going to perform on the outside in a manner that's consistent with your inner coherence, mind, body, spirit. So if you're on that path, you're going to come to meditation one way or the other. Whether you're an elite athlete like LeBron, and he credits his change and how his approach to the game through diving inside to go out, whether it's the great book by Tim Galloway on inner tennis that introduces a little bit of the inner game to what we're doing at Elevate, you know, one of our programs 
at sportshood.net. It's where all that information is, but it's where we are. You can say it again. What was it? What is it? Go ahead and promote it. The website, yeah, the website sportshood.net, but the program's called Elevate. Yeah, the program's called Elevate. It, It teaches the inner skills of sport. And again, you can work all the time on the outside, but when the, when the lights go on, the rest come out, you are now exposed to your inner game. And if you've ignored it and you haven't conditioned it and you haven't prepared it like you have the outside, then every game is going to be up and down. You will have very little consistency. We don't even know if you're going to show up for the game. Well, guess who showed up? Look at Luca's last two years of performance consistency. That wasn't done by accident. It was done on purpose, and that's inner skill development, taking the mind to the gym, rehearsing the future, programming it. So then now when it comes into real time, you've already been there in the mind. Has he, and he's been working. Does he meditate? Oh yeah. We do every, every day, Nice, every day and before every game. Yeah. That's the only way you can have elite performance consistency. Nice. Uh, I, 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 I love it. I mean, there's a lot of people, I went down that rabbit hole obviously and was doing more research after I had that experience and uh, one of the right. people I really look up to is David Letterman. And I don't know if you know, but he's, oh, he a, really? yeah, he's a yeah. huge proponent of it. Have you been to Fairfield at all in Iowa? Yeah, I, you know, I have known to Fairfield. My partner, Guru Ganesha, they performed there after the massacre, you know, when people went in and killed Sikhs thinking they were, were terrorists. So, yeah. but, but uh, Fairfield is the number one, uh, I think, county in the union for meditation. It's oh, that's why I bring it up. Any yeah. other place. Yeah. You know, um, but let's go to a broader perspective. Even in corporate America, which is my other company, ConsciousSelling.com, where we train the top Fortune 100 tech companies on the planet. So let me give you an example. Salesforce.com, Benioff, the CEO, has got a great, great book called The Trailblazer, but you've heard of him and you'll see him on social media yep. leading the way in this Another consciousness. Book. Yep. Yeah. So here's the deal. He builds the second largest building in the Western Hemisphere in San Francisco called the Salesforce Tower. And on every floor of the 61 floors he occupies, he has a meditation room. And you'd say, well, why would you waste all that rental space and all that? Because he knows they make more money if you can get, when you're talking about deals, we're talking about deals that have maybe three commas in them, sometimes four over a 10-year period. And you have to be at your best. You have to be present. You have to be able to understand and hear what they're not saying, see what they're not saying, and then understand and feel where they're going and then make intuitive decisions in the moment. You have to be there. You have to condition the mind to do that. So that's what he's done. And that's why Salesforce is such a company with a halo that has missed within 3% of projection, I think, in over a decade. Uh, and is leading the way uh, with all the work in the COVID and contact tracing and everything. So anyway, if you're not working on your inner game, it means you're leaving the outside to determine how you feel, how you act, what you see and what you hear. And pretty soon over time, you get sick of the outside controlling what you do. I didn't know that was part of an arsenal. That's awesome. It's a good way of life. Well, it's confirmation that what you're doing, the path that you've taken, these other leaders you've talked about and whatever, that uh, they're doing it for a reason. And again, you can't screw it up. And once you go down that route, you're not going to want to come back. Yeah. You, you, again, getting back to you called it like uh, his state. You guys have a, you especially have a real fond love for Iowa, which I, 
I f- I'm the same way. So it's interesting for me coming from, it's weird. You and I have this Kona connection and people we know like Yugoslavia and everything, but I really have a kindred, you know, connection to Iowa. Yeah, I, I do too. Um, I can tell. I mean, <laughs> that's the question. Yeah. Well you have, I mean, look what you did there history wise. And I, and again, for a father who, when Luca was young and no one cared and it was just our idea to see it actually manifest in a state where no proteins, because I went to Idaho, no proteins. Yeah, you get it. I had yep. a sense of what the notoriety would be at, on a very small scale now. I, yeah, the Kiwi Dome, right? You had nothing else to do, but we would have like 6,000, 7,000. Wouldn't have 15,000, right? Or play in front of 25,000. Right. But so it's a different stage. But the... It's relative. You're still going to go through the same, you know, flow. And so to come to a state, and again, we were D.C. We weren't wanted. Luca came in and replaced Cordell, who was already, it was in videos, it was in programs. He was starting. He well, yeah, it. but you're wanted at the end. At the end, all of a sudden, everybody yeah. realized, oops. Yeah, at this point, you've already yep. committed. Yeah. Yeah, we earned it. You know, we yeah. earned our way. We earned our way. We earned our respect, earned our love. And then the fact that it exposed that, you know, Luca's story involved in my development, it was just, that's us, Iowa, they, they care about families. So they know that they would resonate that because that's what they, you know, want for their kids too. So that uh, we couldn't have done it anywhere else, I don't believe, in any other state where we could, could really soar and spread our wings and, and Be a peacock. Uh, you know, ultimately let the peacock fly, you know. <laughs> Of that. <laughs> I had to get that one in. I had to get one, let the peacock fly. <laughs> so for people who don't, for people who aren't aware of that, that that's kind of become your uh, motto and your saying. And even in social media, you always have the emoji of the peacock, but uh, you were mic'd at one point said that, but there's obviously some background there. I may not be aware of. Yeah. Well, you know, with the CBS thing at the, it was the second round of the NCAA tournament. So it sophomore year against Tennessee and, yeah, we grew up. I, I'm, you know, my last name in in uh, the Latin language is bird, a, a blue heron or a stork or a. So I, I love birds. Always have, and so I had peacocks. I had ostriches when Luke was younger. And you actually own them. So, yeah, yeah. And, wow. Uh, and so, yeah, I love them. They're beautiful. I had a big, big ranch and everything. So anyway, Luca would um, to see one fly, he'd just go, "Oh my God, I can't believe this thing." And so it's just like, hey, you know, it just if you don't let what you cannot do get in the way if you can do. Hey, listen, look as slow. Well, then don't get in the track meet on the court. Luca <laughs> can't jump high. Well, don't get in a jumping contest on the on the. Uh, you can't jump high if you're boxing somebody out. You can't carry two people unless you're Will Chamberlain. So it's like it taught us through nature and seeing things, you know, a principle about um, do what you can do and work on what you can't do. So what you can't do turns into what you can do. <laughs> love that love that yeah okay so I, I i cut you off from the whole i would think is the peacock fly that we're you mentioned that but yeah it's just it's, it's just it's it's a i i just found it I, I went there my first time i i never heard anything about iowa I had no connection to iowa i was flipping in hawaii uh waikaloa waikaloa uh not not the oh, village yeah. but up I'm above oh, yeah God. oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> waikaloa village i know that well yes mm. so i was up there and we had no cable Cable wasn't obviously run there, so I had four channels. Flipping through one day, and I stumbled across PBS, the four channels we had, and again, you had to adjust the antennas. And of it is Dan Gable and his crew uh, against Iowa State. And I'm just seeing this. I'm like, what is this sport that I've never seen before? And who are these crazy people that are going nuts for yeah. it? 
and With cauliflower ears. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I'm not even sure I even got that far because I, I flipped through the middle of the meat and I was fascinated by it and watched it. And then I ended up going to high school. So I didn't actually even heard of wrestling and didn't do it until I was a freshman really? in high school. Yeah. God, so you really learned fast then. Well, I, but I had a, I had help and it turns out it was from Iowa and Dan Gable and his crew. So I um, was What was he like as a coach? I mean, I asked Randy, but I mean, what was your, what was your. So he's, he's, it's weird. He's very, he's very intense. Like Fran can be during matches, like, you know, but he's not that way at practice, if that makes sense. And. Oh, really? Yeah. He's very kind of quiet and he, I mean, kind of quiet. I wouldn't say totally quiet, but he's not a yell or scream or anything like that. But when he'd go to that part of the room, you just saw people wrestling harder, if that makes sense. Like he was, what what, what makes wrestling a little different than basketball like, I'm not sure Michael Jordan would be a good coach. Does that make sense? Right. Right. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Well, it was hard for Bill Russell. It was hard for Bill Russell to yeah. translate into the bigs, right? Yeah. It's just, it's a different, uh, but, but wrestling for some reason doesn't seem to be that way. Kale Sanderson right now, Penn State is kind of killing it. And he was a great wrestler. It's just, I don't, I don't know why that is, but, but uh, yeah, he, but he also like just was kind of a, his focus is completely on wrestling. And he gets right. it. And he and so we were business. He actually was our first angel investor in our company. Oh, how great is that? Yeah. So but it, that, that didn't necessarily work out in the best way in terms of business wise. I mean, it, it, it did. I mean, everybody made money off and everything. I'm just saying in terms of that wasn't the best use of his skill set, if that makes sense. I uh, got it. Yeah. Yeah. And I know how that I know what you mean. Yeah. So I, I just think like he's very focused. I mean, I one of my favorite quotes I ever heard his daughter talking about was that he would call home when he was out in Iowa City going somewhere and yes. asking how to go somewhere. It's Iowa City. Like, how hard can it be, right? <laughs> and, and the daughter said, because he only knew how to get to Carver and home. Right, that's probably true. Yeah. Probably and so true. there's just a real truthfulness to that. So he's just, he's very focused on what he knows, and that's great, and he's good at it. And he was amazing. I, I did a documentary on him. It's called, Mike, it's called uh, I was a big Coltrane fan. So our uh-huh. first our first company was called Giant Step, named after the Giant Steps album. And the documentary <laughs> okay. after Love Supreme, I called it Competitor Supreme. And it's Oh, I like that. Yeah. And we had one of the best teams he's ever had. The Brands brothers were on that. They were my teammates. And uh mm-hmm. Gosh. so I had him mic'd and everything else. And so this is amazing moments of him in the locker room and stuff. And, yeah, and that was uh, classic. Yeah, and giving these speeches, I'll, I'll send you one afterwards. But it's just like I'd love to hear them. No, that kind of be that's some gems right there, man. That for all time, right? Yeah, it's fascinating. And he's so good at it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, but, yeah that's what he's kind of like as a coach. He's just he he said the exact right things at the right time, and he was he had yeah. the other thing I loved about him. I kind of compare him to Phil Jackson. I've talked about it in another podcast. Did I lose you? Oh, no big deal. And I was talking about Phil Jackson and how what makes him so interesting to me is how he could take individuals and coach that individual. So, for example, like how do you have a Michael Jordan and Dennis Rodman? Talk about two different ends of it, right? And right. But he was able to understand those individuals, and that was something I think that makes Gable very different. And it sounds like Fran's that way. He worked with you guys that way. So. Well, I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that you say that. I think, you know, with wrestling, when I look at it, it's such a, such a character 
full-on thing. And the guy that's known how to do that and became a champion, I think with one sport, you know, rather than four of the people, the team, maybe Death Chance had better. But, you know, Fran is a player's coach. He's never going to give up his players. And that's unique. And that allowed us to go out there and uh, do something's never been done before. And it takes a coach to allow that to happen. And that's that's uh, one of Fran's uh, from program to program to program what he's been able to. Um, and I think the best is yet to come. I hate to say that in a way like I didn't think it was good last year. But no, we just, our goal was there to come into the place, make it better than Murray. And then we came. It's been kind of a family tradition to do that. They did it at Murray School. And I hope everyone feels that we did it at Iowa as well. You guys have certainly moved the needle. You know, all us Hawkeye fans are appreciative. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. And at some point, maybe we'll follow up a little bit in the future here about uh, the the next step here. I, I have a lot of my friends in the NBA who I... No, no, let's keep it. Yeah, let's keep it rolling. And then plus we'll have some... Well, these guys are rooting for you guys, so good luck and thank you. All right, all right. Take care. Thanks, Frank. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Good man there. The other day after talking to the press, right after he'd been named Player of the Year, Lucas said there's no better father a son could have. He has supported and pushed me in a way that I've never seen. It inspires me and shows me what I want to be like the future when I become a father. Well, the father-son duo have made us all better. Looking forward to watching Luca's next chapter. Thanks for listening, and as always, go Hawks.